Hello everyone, Stephanie Strong here with PresenceWithPurpose.com. I coach, train, and develop high-performance leaders to maximize personal and professional development goals and to leverage them in such a way to achieve organizational success. Welcome to Three Things on Monday podcast with Stephanie Strong, where I intersect lifestyle, leadership, culture, faith, and art through the amazing teachable moments of everyday people who are influencing the world around them. So thank you for joining me today as we blaze trails of triumph, honor the joys and tears of our community, amplifying the voices and life lessons by the diverse textures and tones of leaders making the world a better place as we breathe together in peace, love, and hope. Good Monday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Three Things on Monday podcast with your host, yours truly, Stephanie Strong. And I am most pleased and excited to welcome the incomparable Reverend Jennifer Jones. She is our special guest for today, and we are in for an absolute treat. I am so glad that you are able to join us on this day, on this Monday. Just want to send out a shout out and tribute to all the mothers who are mothering not only their children, but also the children around them and their children, and those who um, give so tirelessly to really shape the minds and experience of of the world um, through their motherhood. So just want to honor our mothers on this Monday. And so we're grateful to have Reverend Jennifer Jones with us this morning. And so just a little bit about Reverend Jennifer, who is an ordained Baptist minister. And she currently serves as executive director of Shiloh's Charitable Foundation. And she's the social justice minister at the Shiloh Baptist Church under the leadership of Reverend Fred J. Smith, who is the pastor. You might want to know that she is a graduate of the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and she is the vice chair of Faith in Action Board, and she's also has served more than 30 years as the preacher, teacher, faith-based organizer, trainer, executive, and mentor. We can go on and on and on about Reverend Jennifer's uh, credentials. This is a woman of God whose voice has resounded throughout the country, throughout the world, um, sounding the rallying cry of justice through her ministry. This is a woman who is not shy about telling the truth. This is a woman who people look up to. She has blazed many trails for organizers across the country and even abroad. We are so pleased to welcome you, Reverend Jennifer, and we will uh, certainly create and hold space for all that you are bringing into this conversation. And so we would like for you to say hello to our listening audience. Good morning. I am uh, just elated and excited about the opportunity to just have a conversation with you as we have many conversations yes. as we journey together on in this uh, amazing opportunity that we have to share the gifts and talents that God has given us and just to do the work of ministry. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it, it is I look at this as a divine appointment, but not only is it a divine appointment, it is a necessary conversation. 
And yes, we get to have it together. So what a blessing. So Reverend Jennifer, we, many of us who know you, particularly in the work of community organizing through our connection to Faith in Action National Network and the many federations um, throughout the country and even um, abroad and uh, in, in countries abroad. I am curious to know what moment in your life story did you become aware of the intersectionality between your calling and justice-centric ministry? Tell us a little bit about how you got there. Well, you know, what has um, really motivated me through the years is I've connected or sensed and sought and understood justice to be Jesus justice. I've been in the church all of my life. So much of the activities, much of the ministry work that went on um, as I began to study it and deal with the calling on my life, I very clearly understood what Jesus, uh, what he was doing, demonstrated and was calling me to do at that particular time. Um, it happened. Uh, even in seminary, you know, when I went to seminary, most of the young folk who were coming, because I didn't go to cemetery, seminary rather until I was 50 plus years old, right? So what I was had as classmates were kids who had been in a Bible college or whatever and did not connect the two. I came in with a life of experiences of survival as a Black woman or being raised in a neighborhood in, in the South, you know, where... Um, what most folk wanted to look at as something a little bit different. I saw everything as ministry. I saw the mothers who did what they did to keep churches moving and going, uh, the things that we were running into in terms of even police then and all of the uh, things that were holding us back. I mean, <laughs> I go so far back as one of the uh, one major movement that I'm watch my mom be a part of was we were on a gravel road, a gravel street, right? Um, and that wasn't all over the community. It was just that it didn't come get to our community, but we were able to get an African-American guy elected uh, on the city council. And uh, my mother and some other ladies, some other sisters uh, wanted to make sure that if that opportunity was there, that just seemed to have been some leftover concrete for a bridge that they were building. But what we had to do was get get our, the folk in our community registered to vote. Mm -hmm. And that was a very uh, unusual time. Mm -hmm. But the mechanics of that, and I saw more prayer in that mm -hmm. than I saw anything else. And that helped me in terms of the intersectionality of what needs to be happening in our world and how God was calling us to that and allowing some things to happen that pulled us in. And that was one of the things that sticks with me till this very day. Well, that's amazing. It's amazing that when there is a need uh, in the community and that uh, public officials have the decision-making capacity to meet that need and the church uh, or the faith community comes together and mobilize together to urge the public officials right, to right, meet that need. Right. That's where the real power is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the uh, public officials come to us, but also 
to recognize that we have the power to go to them, yes. the organized power to go to them when they see us, because they're coming, uh, they're coming to us pretty much is at the time of voting or whatever, right? Yes, right. Uh, and we wanted a different experience. We wanted to let them know year round. Yes. And especially if you come to us at times of voting, once we were able to get enough of our folk to understand the importance and the power and the necessity in us participating in that process and how to get over the challenges of what that meant to get our folk to that place. Absolutely. And when you speak of organized power and particularly the type of um the type of power that the, the church, when I say the church, I'm really speaking of just from a Christ, Christianity perspective, but mm -hmm. not exclusively, you know, right, right. but more specifically in this particular part of the conversation is understanding what their individual power is, but also understanding what their collective power and sure. to leverage it. How are you able to hold those types of conversation with your church members or with the members in the community to use their collective power to, to, to move um, the conversation beyond the one year vote, a one term visit to get folk to vote for them rather than we're gonna leverage our votes to get you to do what we want for our community. Well, one of the things I recognize is the collective, um, I mean, if I'm looking at and trying to pull some folk together, and we had to do that to live in community, right? Yes, um, One of the examples would be that on the street that I lived on, mm -hmm. uh, there was one, well, actually two men, the rest were women with children, or um, and these men had to kind of step in as fathers. One did an excellent job at it. One was an abusive husband, <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. But in our relationship building and looking after one another, because regardless of whether or not we were in church or not, we had become a community who understood what it meant in terms of our relational um, bringing up together of people who came together out of trust and love and sharing and doing what God called us to do, not necessarily in the church context initially, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There were those who were known as church folk, and then there were the other folks still trying to figure their way. But there was love and there was trust and understanding. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a place where we created an environment where everybody brought some kind of value to the table. They were valued in what they were able to do, and they were all different gifts. So all of that kind of tied in. Church folk had another language for it, but that was just survival in our communities. Absolutely, I love that. And it's interesting, like even in um, this the season that we're in now, um, particularly af after the, the height of the, of the pandemic where people have sort of reimagine what church look like right or reimagine what it means to go to church there's still that element of trust caring and understanding and bringing your your uh your value your collective value together and understand and valuing one another i'm just wondering um given all that you have done over your lifetime what more do you want to do to fulfill your calling in this moment that we're in? This, this work of justice is, is, is not just, as we talk about social justice and the framing of 
what's around that now as we have responded in many ways across the country and folk have looked at Black Lives Matter, they've looked at, uh, even as we talk about faith-based organizing, some of that to some extent has been limited because we don't, uh, we haven't um, appreciated enough what it means to have a relational piece in this, where there's a connection, where we value everybody uh, that we work with. But more importantly, what I'm interested in, in the, uh, the donning of where I am in life, and thanks be to God, and I hope that's for, I'll be donning for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm interested in is more collaborative work where there's an appreciation and an understanding because no one group, no one denomination, no one organization can uh, do on its own what we can do and would have the collective power to do. That takes a lot of understanding. That takes a lot of negotiation. That takes um, folk valuing. And, and you'll hear me say that word more and more because uh, for so long, many of us have been discounted regardless of what we brought to the table. So I'd like to see more work done and a better understanding of that. I always say in training, uh, look around and whoever is not at the table in terms of whether or not that's gender, whether or not that's economics, whether or not that's uh, a religious background or not, you know, faith has a, a lot of different faces now, especially after COVID. <laughs> Because yeah. we're not sure who's going to go back into what was structured, but people are still needing to be fed. They need to be in an environment where they can worship and appreciate each other. So my work now is just trying to help folk see and, see and have an appreciation for others and understand that there needs to be more collaborating. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more, Reverend Jennifer. You know, interestingly, when we think about um, this whole idea of collaborating and the free phrase that I like um, to use and, and really learn to embody that during my organizing time is to be able to see one another. Yeah, yeah. To be able to see one another and um, without all the filters and mm -hmm. all of the 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 mental or the the bias um dissonance you know sometimes we have these um conversations or these embedded beliefs and assumptions and to be able to to plow through all of that and to yeah. see each other's humanity um, would you agree that when we see each other's humanity we inherently begin to hold space for it each other, regardless of their faith, race, gender, or background? Um, oh, surely I would agree with that. That um, I think I've always used the term um, in, in training and, and trying to folk, bring some folk together to see the value in it, to understand that diversity is our strength. Yes. You know, and uh, in the South, we do a lot of um, gumbo right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we mix all of these different ingredients. And, and I use that as an analogy often to say the richness of what all you can put in there and allow it to blend and, you know, melt together the value of what that tastes like and the impact on what that has, even for our bodies in terms of nutrients and other things, it brings a different flavor. It uh, provides richness, right? Yes. Uh, and that's the same thing as we try to work together across racial lines, um, across gender and all of these things that um, in the past has divided us rather than brought us together. 
to be stronger, to be much more powerful and to do ministry in a, um, for many of us, a challenging way, but a powerful way. Sure, sure. How do you, how do you imagine given that diversity is our strength and people have a different understanding and language around what faith looks like and, and mm. particularly how faith in justice and democracy intersect. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not gonna be easy, but it happens every now and then, mm -hmm. depending on some of the things that uh, God allows to happen in our life, with our families, mm -hmm. uh, in our uh, time of, uh, the influence that we have now in terms of higher education and our, our folk going to school together and learning together. Um, I, I just think that uh, even as there are some things now with all the technology that allowed the world to look at George Floyd be murdered, right? Mm -hmm. And the emotions that they had there and folk wanting to do something who don't normally fit in that environment, mm -hmm. but the pain uh, and anxiety that they felt and the inhumanity that they yeah. see and saw it in that. Uh, many folk for the very first time tried to figure out how to help, how to do something um, different together that was around faith, that was around economics, that was around education, that was around a whole lot of things. So I believe that as we're moving forward, um, we are uh, provided experiences and opportunities to be invited in and it's happening. It's yeah. happening organically, mm. but then the mind and, and others step in and it forces us to examine our individual beliefs. And that's where uh, it has become relatively interesting. <laughs> it does get quite interesting as many um, people espouse a, an understanding of what how, how faith shows up in their life and how that faith even shapes the way that they see people in a democratic, and I'm not saying in a political democratic party, but a party, I mean, I'm not speaking about uh, uh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. but I'm speaking of where everyone has a voice, everyone has a vote mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. about the public decisions that are being made about their private lives. And that oftentimes language around um, uh, democracy and, and faith can sometimes be polarizing and further embedding the, the, the um, separation or the lack of congruency or the lack of coming together. Is there any particular way that you see as a point of entry when we have diverse understandings of our faith, but um, a, a, common, um, a common aspiration for a, a, a democracy that works for all? Well, I, I guess the way that I would respond to that is I think that's, uh, happening or can happen mm -hmm. when we recognize that we really all want the same thing yeah. for our families and for each other. Yeah. You know, we want our families to be safe. You know, we want quality education and quality health care for everyone, right? Yes. Um, and the impact of when that does not happen, what we're seeing and having to live through is the experience of uh, what it is causing in terms of the pain and uh, the agony of the things that really uh, keep us up at night, trying to figure that out. So I believe it's an opportunity, you know, just like COVID. For me, uh, as much and as painful as it was because of the number of folk that we've lost, we've had to bury, 
the thought, uh, the the fact in in many of our churches we we have been limited, and many of them, well, I can't say any of them are back uh, at the full strength of operating at that level, uh, and our communities suffer from that because that was such an important piece. But I think it's forcing us to um, look at this in a different way and try to at least begin to think about it now. You know, there's always the political side of it that uh, everybody's trying to figure out how to stay in power rather than do and change the lives and improve the lives of people. So that's that's something that we have to really uh, help our folk understand and at least understand to the point of recognizing the need that we do it as a collective people around issues that are important to all of us that might look a little bit different, but the impact yeah. Uh, is painful for all of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can certainly relate to that. Um, just shifting just a bit here to um, just bring in your experience as a mother. How has motherhood prepared for your 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 growth and leadership um, as you uh, now know? <laughs> well. Looking back as a, a single mother, and, and, and let me try to put some, uh, give some narrative to that, I became a, a mother as a senior in college, uh, recognizing that when that happened and being an unwed mother, I had the responsibility of what had taken place in my life. And uh, my mother <laughs> who raised uh, seven children of her own by herself, uh, she made it very clear that if you're grown now, as you become a mother, you have that responsibility. So uh, thinking about what that meant and embracing and, and loving the gift that God had given me in this one son uh, that I have, uh, I recognized that uh, there were a lot of things that I had to uh, do to try to make right uh, in terms of uh, preparing him for this mean world mm -hmm. that I found myself in the midst of. Mm -hmm. So education was a piece, healthcare was a piece, the things that we're still fighting for today in terms of safe communities and all of these other things that are involved in it. But just learning uh, the role of what that was to be a mother and understanding the things that we didn't have, I didn't have access to mm -hmm. and others, I, I realized that it wasn't just me who didn't have access, it was many others. So I've always been fighting to make sure he got everything that he needed in terms of a quality education, in terms of the best health care that I could give him and, and all of those things. So it played a part. And it also helps me through the years as I've organized to be able to have some empathy and understanding for the marginalized in our communities. Yeah, that's so it, it really has kind of guided. Wow. Wow. Reverend Jennifer, that's 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 a lot yeah and and that and it's beautiful and that um I, I i just see that being a mother as as i am as well that there is just something that synergistically happens mm -hmm. um as a mother that your care for your child spills over to your care for your community Oh, yeah. and other people that are around you and it shapes so many different things. And so when you look back over your career as an organizer and your contribution, your many years um, contributions to race equity work and your multiple roles on many boards and, um, and, and with several organizations um, that uh, some are familiar, that we are familiar with, 
what are the victories, or if there's just one, that you believe we um, must still build upon to move the needle forward? I don't even want to say the new needle forward. To move humanity forward to really understand that if 1% mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is doing great yeah. and winning, yeah. how then can we... But I don't want to say balance that out, make that more equitable so that the 99% <laughs> that have a, a different access to uh, resources, healthcare, um, housing, um, and many other resources that can help them become alive and thrive. I just want to know from you, like, I know we've had some victories. I know we stay in the fight. We stay in the struggle. What do we need to be building on right now? We need to be building on seeing each other as people, mm. right? Um, rather than trying to go to our corner, you know, I, I think everybody needs that identity in terms of the group or, the, or where they fit. But the power of moving forward beyond that 1% mm -hmm. is recognizing the things that we have in common or the needs that we have in common mm -hmm. and having an appreciation for that. You know, even as I watch, and, and I'll use this analogy around race, you know, at one, at one particular point, very early on in organizing for me, it was around white and black. Mm -hmm. Even in the faith community, it was around Christians and, you know, um, Baptists and Catholic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that we had to see and have an appreciation later on to know that there were many more people with those different kinds of brands in terms of faith, in terms of race, who we did not know or understand. When we were able to bring people together and have them see that they wanted the same thing, mm -hmm. uh, that there was more equal about them than different about them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's still part of the, the struggle that we have uh, every day. And I think once we get to that place, we have to keep working on it because now we do it in so many different ways. You know, this, this new uh, way that everybody has uh, had to deal with, uh, had to learn how to uh, deal with technology in terms of being able to communicate yeah. has opened up a, a, a world yeah. that uh, we did not have an appreciation for or understand. So there's more access to knowledge. Our young folk are helping us look at it as a, at a new way in many ways, just to be able to communicate with them. You know, yeah. my grandkids, they won't pick up the phone and call, but they will text. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but, and then... <laughs> The way that they look at each other, because they've been in school, uh, they didn't, I mean, when I was in school, it was about integrating the schools, right? Mm -hmm. And now that's not anything for them. They go to school with each other. They look at each other differently. And how do we learn with and from them to mm -hmm. be able to take us all to a new place? Can you imagine one of the things that's happening is uh, that these kids are uh, marrying across race and <laughs> a whole lot of other things. So it's creating a new dynamic that's forcing us. These kids don't necessarily look at race the way that we do and a lot of other things, but you know, there's a balance in there. Yeah. And when we figure that out, gradually we're bringing more people to think differently yeah. and to participate in larger ways to be able to contribute to changing the world that we all wanna see yeah. uh, the way God intended it to be. Yes, I love that. Um, learn to learn learning with 
and from. Yes. I think that is a great place to start um, the, uh, fostering and continuing the dialogue across race, across even the political divides and yes. in other ways, uh, walls of separation that keep yes. us divided is to be open enough to learn with and from and mm -hmm. that even um, going into a conversation with someone to be able to afford that person to be uh, open and transparent in their own story and allow them to tell that mm -hmm. without insisting that it should be this way or should be that way. And I think a lot of times in these conversations across um, uh, political lines, across race and faith, that somebody wants to be right. But when you say learn with and from, I think that is key, key, key. Yeah. And that's something that can't, can't be pushed on, you know, yeah. uh, folk. It, can, it, it, it can't happen organically. Yeah. And as it does, it's just a different kind of richness. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things, and. I always remember is uh, organizing in, in the South. And when we first start doing it and bringing in diverse groups of people, the folk would always separate themselves in different ways, right? Yeah. And as an organizer, I would always try to figure out a way how to get them to come together. But to let it happen organically by sharing stories yeah. about your families and your desire and your faith and all of these other things. Yeah. And then it began to happen in a very unique way. Yeah. And I learned from that, yeah. that I had to allow it to happen organically rather than me say, you guys need to sit together by somebody you don't know or all of that other stuff. Yeah. And some of those folk connected and their families connected and they even till this day do amazing work together. So that's something to learn from and that's the beauty of organizing for me. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And so um, as we are wrapping up our time, mm -hmm. I tell you the 30 minutes, get out of here so quickly. Curiously, what are three imperatives? If you had to leave the listening audience with three things they can go take action on, mm -hmm. because it's good to dialogue, it's good to gather information, it's good to learn. But what are the three things that you would like to, um, for our listening, that you would invite our listening audience to take action on in which they can um, become more um, involved or whatever, whatever way that you see can really just begin to shift and change the trajectory of how we are um, moving conversations across um, various lines, but also how we are using our collective power to make change right where we are. Right. Three things. I guess the, the one thing I would want to say up front is I think that um, we have, I mean, the world right now, we have access to it. So things that we don't understand or um, we are challenged by, and let's learn more about that. Let's learn more about the people that are involved, the policies that are involved, the structures that are involved that kind of encompasses all that. Kind of do a deep dive and not, not go in trying to find out what's wrong with it, but find out what works well with it. And then, you know, pull away and uh, decide how you want to do something differently or think about it differently or participate in a very different way. Um, the other is just to uh, be grateful for what God has, has created 
in the multitudes of the way that we look, the way that we live, uh, even in our faith, uh, all of the beauty of not just our particular faith, but all of the richness of how and what that means to the world uh, that almost forces you into that. And then to share whatever it is, the God-given gifts and talents, um, share that with folk who are different from you. Look for it. Don't wait for it to happen. Just look for it. And I'm not saying that you have to have a mass meeting to do that. Uh, I, I, I have one uh, very good friend um, who we worked together in the community for a long time. And uh, we had this discussion around her um, young children. Well, not young children. They're older now and they have families. But she says she doesn't, they don't interact or they don't know very many Blacks that she could introduce her young folk to. Uh, and, you know, get them to begin to have that conversation. Well, she's the one who has had a relationship with me for how many years, right? Yeah, yeah. So she can do that same thing in another way, but in a generational, you know, take out the generational context of what that might need be. So just putting, you know, stepping out of the box, yeah. doing something you haven't done before, being open. Yes, yes that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, you named access. We have access to people. We have access to technology and to learn more about people and learn more about policy and learn more culture. about the structures and culture yeah. and to be grateful and to be grateful for the for the multitudes of people uh, that are just different. That's just so beautiful. The wealth of the world that's the out there for the world. Yeah. The wealth of the world of it. And share. Share what it is that you that you have and be open. To, to learn from others and to be able to go yeah. and make the change and um, collectively and, um, and, do the work. and do the work, do the work. Well, Reverend Jennifer, this has been a rich conversation. We are blessed to have been able to really pull up a chair to listen to the wisdom and the guidance and and the the, the 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 deepness of why your time here on earth is so pivotal pivotal and needed and necessary for not just the years that gone by but for uh -huh. such a time as this we need you we love and appreciate you and we just um thank you so very much for carving out this um time today to be with the three things on monday podcast listening audience and so that wraps it up friends we are so grateful that you were able to join us today and we look forward to you joining us joining us on the next episode of three things on monday podcast if this podcast has been of any value to you would you be so kind as to share like follow and invite your friends to listen and reverend jennifer if you don't mind what is is there any way that um a particular whether it's an organization a way that you would like to uh, offer for people to be able to um connect to some meaningful work just wanted to since we're <clears throat> trying to connect the world and the richness and the beauty of it yeah. I'd like them to take a look at Faith in Action. It's across the country. It's international. Yeah. And if you find some space that you want to come in and contribute, uh, be a part. Yeah. There are many ways that you can do that. The website for Faith in Action or just, uh, you know, Google it and you'll find all, all that you need to be able to contribute in whatever way you're led to do so. Yes, I just didn't want to end this conversation without putting an offer out to, um, to the world. Thank you, Reverend Jennifer. People, listen, you have the most amazing day. And until next time, take Thank care. You. God bless.